Welcome to the Focus Today podcast with Perry Atkinson. Well, welcome back. And uh, we are all been very concerned about, um, well, perhaps the decline of Christianity in America overall, biblical worldview. I'm so honored when we get the time to uh, get together with Dr. Adam Rasmussen. He is a fellow at the Cultural Research Center there and associate professor of humanities at Arizona Christian University. Dr. Rasmussen draws upon about 25 years of experience in Christian education. He's inspired students to thrive under the Lordship of Christ in all aspects of life. And his research interest includes biblical literacy, um, educational ministries, and Christian apologetics, of which he's very significant in all those. And by the way, uh, the university is a great place, and you go to culturalresearchcenter.org, culturalresearchcenter.org. Dr. Rasmussen, good to see you again, friend. How are you? Great. Perry, really looking forward to talking with you today. You're amazing. I don't know when you sleep, but you're amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I want to come back to the biblical worldview. I know that you and your colleague, Dr. Barna, have done a lot of work in this area. And uh, there was a significant number drop that kind of left us on tilt from 6% to 4%. What do you think is going on here? Well, we're seeing a, a decline. It was up at 11% back in 1995, the first year that Dr. Barna studied this phenomenon. And it's been in decline. It went down 33%, just as you mentioned. Uh, before the pandemic, it was at 6%. Now it's 4% of all adults in America have a biblical worldview. And that's just tragic. Um, excuse me, when we think about the fact that 68% of Americans in 2023 claim to be Christian, about 70%, only 4% actually live it out. And no wonder so many Christians are accused of being hypocritical. It's pitiful. Mm -hmm. We have to get back to understanding what's going on in Scripture. And when we see a one-third decline Um, In just a matter of a few years, it is a direct result of what happened during the pandemic when people weren't meeting together in churches, when they weren't gathering together, serving one another, sitting under the teaching of God's Word. We've seen uh, a huge shift in just a matter of months, and so we have to get to work and come back to the Bible. Okay, I want to unpack that, but I want to go back to prior to the 11%. (laughs) What can you can you point in any particular thing that caused people to drift away from a biblical worldview? Well, I think there's just been a a general trend in America to turn towards the individual. Mm. Okay, we can go all the way back uh, to some of our founding principles, which were based on the Bible. But there were also other um, forces at work. And we can look at the writings of David Hume. Uh, John Stuart Mill and others that help people stray from the Bible and from God and to put more emphasis on themselves, on subjective reality, on what I feel is the most important thing in the world, that's subjectivism, as opposed to objectivism, that the truth and, and moral claims need to be found in a source outside of myself, actually outside of humanity. There needs to be something. Uh, some principles that are eternal, 
that we can turn back to. Those are, of course, revealed most perfectly uh, through God's written word, the Bible. So I think a lot of these things have undercurrents, even in America, uh, at the time of our founding. And so we've had uh, basically a, a group of people that will hold to Scripture and uh, a group of people that will hold to to man as being the measure of all things. And those have always been uh, a trend here in America and in uh, the world. But what we've seen in most recent days is that people love to make up their own ideas. They want to be autonomous, a law to themselves, mm. instead of sitting under the authority of God's Word. So would that be a contributing factor to, um, I guess, ignorance to biblical worldview, but flat-out rejection to biblical worldview? Yes. And I think the more that we continue to uh, speak to people and and to play on their feelings and their emotions, we're just making the problem worse instead of um, helping people understand that they can find answers outside of themselves, something that is lasting and enduring, <laughs> i.e. Uh, the Word of God, Scripture. And that's what we're seeing in our culture today. Even in our approach sometimes in churches, it's very individualistic, and it's very centered on people's feelings instead of content that, that can be learned. Uh, Christianity is a, uh, excuse me, is a teaching faith. Right. Jesus told us in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, that we should teach all that he has commanded. We have to teach one another, and there is content. It's in, it's in his word. Because if you look at 4%, Dr. Rasmussen, if you, if you look at 4%, that's an alarming figure. That's close to extinction. Yes, you're, you're right. But I'm, I'm full of hope. I, I wake up every morning with a smile on my face because of the gospel. Right. We may be failing, but God hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. He hasn't gone anywhere, and He is at work, and He is calling us back to Himself. It, it is an alar alarming number, and with man, uh, it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And uh, so, yeah. Yeah. I, I know you, you dig into this, and you, you come up with uh, <clears throat> what you would call seven cornerstones of biblical worldview, and I do want to get there, but a couple other basic questions first. Yeah. Um, I, I'm just um, wondering if, I, I'm, I don't even know how to ask this question, so forgive me if I blurt it out wrong, but it seems to me that in this attempt to be our own gods, yes. we are eliminating a part of Christianity that's significant, and that's the transcendence of God spiritually into the human being. Now, that's, there's a balance between academics and knowledge and theology and the actual working of the Spirit in somebody's life, but the transcendence of God. Uh, what do you think of that? Am I asking that right? Well, I, you're, there's so many things that you're saying that are right there. I mean, we know from Genesis chapter 1 that we are made in the image of God. And so uh, a great theologian once said that the knowledge uh, that we need to attain is of two parts. The first part is to know God, and the second part is to know ourselves. And which one goes first? It's very difficult to discern, because if we know God, 
we will know ourselves because we're made in his image. However, if we decide we don't want to know the God of the Bible and we want to try to define ourselves, um, we have totally missed our purpose in life. We're, we're to reflect the goodness. Uh, like you mentioned, all those qualities of God, his holiness, his righteousness, his reason, his creativity, it didn't come from uh, nowhere. It came from God. So the more we know the Lord, the more we'll know ourselves. Uh, as Francis Schaeffer said, he is the only infinite personal God. So he is both transcendent and eminent. And the more we know him, the more we'll know ourselves. And when we see all of the confusion people have about identity and, and their gender and all these things, they all stem from the main basic problem that we're trying to even define ourselves, which we were never supposed to do. We get our definition from our creator. So it's almost a paradox. The more we know about God, the more we will truly be human. And that, that's just all throughout Scripture. And then we look not just at the creation, but the incarnation of God, that God in himself uh, came to earth through his son, Jesus. And he became flesh, became a human being forever. So God with us, in that in Christ, we have a true humanity, a new humanity. And when we get back to those realities, we actually discover how to flourish in life. Because dealing with young people who, in some ways, are rejecting it, are also pursuing an inner feeling, an inner peace, an inner something that they can, uh, I guess, emotionally attach themselves to. And if we're not careful that it, it immediately is replaced with theory and biblical intellect, we don't allow for the transcendence. I'm wondering if part of our evangelism includes that. Right. I, I think people, many times, uh, when we do apologetics, we think that there's an intellectual roadblock. And sometimes there is, mm -hmm. because uh, the, the way the educational system is put together today, there is nothing that holds it all together. It's all about deconstructing and taking apart. Um, only in Christ can you have integration and everything coming together. So people are having a difficult time finding that peace that you're talking about. And our research shows that. They aren't finding that, that comfort and that peace that can come from having an integration point that brings it all together. Mm. And what, what, the, what we're finding is that people are alone and adrift. They are not finding the comfort, the, the meaning, the purpose in life, because you, you, you just can't do that on your own. Um, you need to have something outside of yourself, but we keep going inward, 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 and right. it's it's not the answer. It won't work. Okay, let me dive into the seven cornerstones before we run out of time. So let's take on a couple. Uh, uh, share those with us. Sure. So we've already hit one thing, Perry, which is that there is this void in America of biblical worldview. Only four percent of adults in America really hold to a consistent living out of the beliefs and behaviors in the Bible, only 4%. So that's the problem. And sometimes parents or pastors, teachers, school administrators at, at private schools might say, well, what do I do? Um, how can I start? This is overwhelming. Maybe somebody listening in your audience is saying, how can I develop a biblical worldview? 
Well, what we want is a strategy, and strategy comes from the Greek and, and, and French meaning um, kind of the art of a general. Mm-hmm. Like, what are, what are the main things that we need to attack? Uh, sometimes we get stuck into tactics, which are different methods and organization and things like that, which are important, but we need to get a little bit bigger picture. And what we found is that um, most Americans believe at least one of these seven truths that we're going to talk about today. But if someone holds to all seven of these truths, there's an 82% probability that they will hold a biblical worldview. Conversely, if they miss even one, there's only a 2% chance that they'll have a biblical worldview. So this is kind of all or nothing. These are the seven cornerstones that can build our strategy. We can say, start with these. This is based on research. It's not just based on a gut feeling or some kind of anecdote. We've looked at the whole landscape of America. If people hold to these seven uh, cornerstones, they'll have a biblical worldview. But if they miss even one, there's a one in 50 chance that they'll have a biblical worldview. So we just start with God. The first one is believing God is omniscient, omnipotent, perfect, and just. And you'll be surprised to see, Perry, that 50% of Americans believe that. And, and that's, that's, that's a good start. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not a complete biblical worldview, but it's a good start. Second, realizing that all humans are not basically good. Everyone, including you, is a sinner. And that is a cornerstone belief of the Christian faith. But there's a problem, and it's sin. That number uh, right now is 27% of Americans believe that. And it's not surprising that number went up 5% after the pandemic. It was only 22% of Americans believe that. But then we saw all of the riots, and we saw all of the problems. And it seems like Americans are a little more <clears throat> excuse me, they have a little more empirical data that, yes, we are fallen people. And so that is cornerstone two. All right. Let me take a break. We'll come back to three through seven. Let me say to our viewers and listeners, uh, you can go to culturalresearchcenter.org or Dr. Adam uh, Rasmussen there is a fellow and um, check out the school and check out this uh, department as well. Christian Research Center there at Arizona Christian University. We'll be right back. We'll be back to this week's interview in just a few seconds. In the meantime, we want to let you know that you can watch this interview, plus many more exclusive interviews that happen this week on the Dove's Daily TV and radio show by visiting our website, thedove.us. And while you're there, sign up for our free daily devotional, The Word for You Today. Three months of daily readings that will connect you with God's Word. Now, back to the show. And uh, honored to have back with us uh, Dr. Adam Rasmussen, fellow there at the Cultural Research Center and associate professor at uh, Arizona Christian University. He's come up and he's identified seven cornerstones for a biblical worldview. We've dealt with number one, and that's understanding uh, God, all-knowing, all-present, all-powerful. And number two, that guess what? You're a human and you're a sinner. <laughs> and you need a savior. That's number two. All right, what's number three? <laughs> that's right. Uh, got to start with the bad news first, right? Okay, yeah. um, well, Perry, again, what an honor to be with you today. Thank you. Thank and you. 
um, we're, we're trying to work on a strategy. If we've got this big problem that people don't know the Bible, they're not walking in alignment with it, where do we start? And so at the Cultural Research Center, uh, led by George Barna at Arizona Christian University, we've identified seven cornerstones. And if people hold these, there's a very strong probability that they'll have a biblical worldview. And if they're missing even one, um, that probability of biblical worldview incidents goes way down. So we're at number three, uh, believe that the Bible to be the true, relevant, and reliable words of God that serve as a moral guide. You'll be surprised to know that Americans, even though they largely reject biblical Christianity uh, as a whole, 46% of American adults believe that statement to be true. Wow. So people are more warm to hear the Bible than you may think. Um, number five, accepting the existence of absolute moral truth. That's where, um, you know, it, it's just not very, it's not an in or hip idea to believe that there's absolute moral truth. Uh, but that is what the Bible teaches uh, all throughout. Um, number six, acknowledging your purpose in life, knowing, loving, and serving uh, with God with all your heart, soul, uh, strength, and mind. And that's why we get up in the morning, is to serve this wonderful God that made us and redeemed us. And then number seven, understanding genuine success in life is consistent obedience to God. So you can see that these seven worldviews are basic, um, probably what was being taught in Sunday schools maybe 20, 30 years ago. Um, it's not rocket science. You don't have to have um, a master's of divinity to understand it. It's also uh, got some elements of lifestyle in there. It's not just theology. It's also talking about having a whole life commitment. And these are the seven beliefs that we, be we believe, um, based on our research, that would be the most helpful to start with. I think you jumped over five. What's number five? Oh, did I? Yeah. No, um, I think I said it, but maybe I said it quickly. Accepting the existence of absolute moral truth. Okay. And that's, I'm really glad we went back to that. That's a very important one. And, uh, you know, so I'm glad so, you oh, so, okay. with that. Yeah, this is, this is a biggie, because uh, what was the percentage on that one, by the way? 75% of Americans reject that. Only 25% believe in absolute moral truth. Wow. Doesn't that explain a lot? It does. Because if you, accept, if you accept moral truth, then there has to be a moral maker, so to speak, a moral giver, right? Yes. If we study, for example, the life of C.S. Lewis, who wrote Mere Christianity, he, his apologetic goes this way. There's a law. It's a moral law. It's universal. Therefore, there must be a law giver. Um, but I can't fulfill it. I've broken it. You've broken it. There must be a law fulfiller. That's Jesus. And then we must live by the law of the Holy Spirit, meaning none of us can live this life, this Christian life by ourselves. We need faith and, and then the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. That is Jesus in us, God in us, living out uh, the Christian faith. So law, lawgiver, law fulfiller, and the law of the Holy Spirit. And uh, Perry, that makes sense to us because we're Christians. Mm -hmm. um, those that are 
that don't have the uh, teaching of scripture. They, they're just kind of putting life together piecemeal. So they may have part of the truth, but, but we need that comprehensive whole uh, worldview. That's, that's what we're talking about. So they, they might understand that there's a law, moral law, but they don't, they haven't gone that whole way to understand who God is. And that's our job. <laughs> I want to come back to number two, just for a second, where we understand we're humans and we're sinners. Uh, 27% agree with that. Um, first of all, that is an encouraging number and a discouraging number. Uh, I'm glad it's that high. I'm sorry that it's that low. But the fact that they recognize <laughs> that we are a sinner, that we are humans, we're flawed. That's yeah. pretty significant, don't you think? Yes, I, I think that this one's probably the easiest one to help people understand. Mm. Uh, the problem is, uh, like Augustine pointed out, I, I have no issue pointing out your sin to you. <laughs> it's it's when, it, when it's pointed to me. And I remember when I became a Christian in 82, somebody was uh, trying to convince me that I was a Christian. And I was a young man, a boy at the time, really. And, and I, I was like, you're a Christian. You're a sinner. You know, he's trying to tell me I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We just don't like that. And that's back to that point of the emotion of it. A lot of times people think they have an intellectual problem with Christianity. No, no, no. It's actually an emotional thing, mostly. We've got to get in there close and help people come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit within relationship. And then they can say, yes, that doesn't apply only to my spouse or my children. I can see that they're sinners. I'm a sinner and I need redemption. That happens emotionally, mostly. Um, and it's always by the Holy Spirit and it's within relationship. So it's not just a cognitive thing. Okay. Uh, and again, just reiterate, if you believe in all seven of those, then your percentage of believing in a biblical worldview is what? 82%. Hmm. That's pretty significant. And if you take just one out, it drops to what? 2%. American percentages? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep, yep. Wow. Out of, out of 100, and we're not using the new math here. We're, <laughs> you know, so, um, so it's a watershed, Perry. I really see that you need these seven. This is the bare minimum. If you go to six, you probably um, are not going to have that integrated biblical worldview. I'm not saying you're, you don't know Jesus or you're not saved. We're not saying that. You would fall into a different category uh, of, instead of being an integrated disciple, is what we're talking about with those that 4%, you'd be what we would call an emerging follower. So a lot of people that come to Arizona Christian University, by the very nature of being young people, um, they really don't have that, that full um, understanding of Scripture. So we want to disciple them up. So let's say somebody has five of these, okay, they're probably not at that um, that comprehensive biblical worldview, but there's hope. You can continue to grow. You can continue to uh, build your knowledge of the content of Scripture. And when you do that, then you can uh, follow in obedience to that. If you don't know it, how can you obey it? If you don't know God, how can you love God? So we, we all have to press on more. Okay. Um, Gosh, I wish I had you for an hour. Let me just back up a little bit. Is part of this a result of, um, I don't know, taking Sunday school out of churches? Uh, is it, a ch is it, is it um, 
a feel-good gospel that we've been preaching in America's pulpits? I mean, how did this occur? You're right. I think uh, what we're doing is we're counting nickels and noses. We're treating church like it's a business. And in a consumer um, culture, we, we, we tend to do that. We tend to think the bigger the church is, the better it is. I, I don't think that's true. Or sometimes on the other side, people say the smaller the church is, uh, the better it is. I don't believe that to be true either. So what are we using to measure? We're not actually measuring what do people know, what do they believe, yeah. how do they behave. We're just counting, like, what's our budget and those things. So back to your question, like, where is the Christian education wing? What are we doing to help young people um, to study uh, the Bible? One other quick statistic. We've studied pastors, okay? And we've looked at the fact that children's pastors— there's the music. Yeah. We'll talk about that some other time. Well, let me say to our viewers and listeners, check it out, christianresearchcenter.org, christianresearchcenter.org. That's where you can go. I've always uh, asked our audience several times a week, Dr. Rasmussen, three questions. Do you know what you believe? Do you know why you believe it? And can you gracefully defend it? I love those questions. Thank you, brother. Good, good to see you, Perry. Blessings. All right. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to this week's Focus Today podcast. Remember, you can visit our website to check out all the interviews we did this week on our daily Focus Today TV show at thedove.us. And if you like this podcast, please take a moment to rate us and share it with your friends.